Thank you to the sponsor of this episode, Tony Overbay, creator of the Pathback Addiction Recovery Program, licensed marriage and family therapist, and host of the Virtual Couch Podcast. Very exciting news, Tony has just created a completely free class on parenting during these uncertain times of the epidemic that we're experiencing. So Tony has put together a class including all the things he is teaching his clients about in his personal therapy sessions who are having their kids home 24-7. Use this free resource. Check it all out at tonyoverbay.com and click on courses to see that free class. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to the ICU podcast. This is episode 79, Disordered Eating with Chanel Nielsen. Hey, everybody. Y'all hanging in there? We're doing okay. We're surviving. Feel pretty good about that. Before I go over to the interview with my cute new friend, Chanel Nielsen, I wanted to tell you about a couple special ICU moments I watched unfold this last week. They were pretty special. There was a boy in our neighborhood who was turning 15 years old, and because of the epidemic... Oh, hi, Rob. Come on in. Hello. It's interrupting because we all live together. Come here. Come make an appearance with your smooth, silky voice. Hello. We haven't killed each other yet. Nope. And you're working from home. Don't plan on it either. Marriage goals. Go enjoy your cereal. Yeah. There was a boy in our neighborhood turning 15 years old, and because of the coronavirus epidemic, he couldn't have a party. And so... His mom posted on our Facebook neighborhood page, she asked everyone to come and honk by at a certain time on his birthday. So, so fun. Me and my family jumped in our van that day. At the, it was at five o'clock in the evening that we were supposed to go. And we went and we honked and some cars even decorated with happy birthday stuff. And it was just a parade of cars honking at this kid. He was sitting out on a, in his yard, probably totally embarrassed and like hating his mom for doing this. But it was just so fun to see the whole community come together. And I loved it. I see you, boy that's turning. 15. Another thing that was really special this week, I had my neighbors who texted me and said, hey, we want to we come sing to your sister. They're a very musical family. And it also happened to be my niece's birthday. So as a lot of you know, my sister's, she's doing chemotherapy right now for her cancer and the cancer is terminal. So we never know how long we'll have with her. We went to her house to drop off some cookies to my niece and then all of a sudden all these strangers start pulling up and her and her husband are like what's going on my sister's whole family came out and sat on their porch and my neighbor had invited two of her brothers and a cousin and all of their families and they so they all just stood along the sidewalk like 10 feet away from each other and a far distance away from my sister and her family on their porch they sang to their family and then they also sang happy birthday to my niece and it was just it was super special All right, now that we all have the good feels, I'm excited to go over to this interview with Chanel Nielsen, especially during this time where we have a lot of time to just really reflect and make intentional choices. If you're an ER doctor and you're listening to this, you can just tell me to shut up (laughs) because you're probably like, I don't have more time right now, actually. And I know there's a lot of people hurting out there too. There's, you know, myself included, we all have loved ones who are at high risk and it can be worrisome. But once again, like I said in our last episode, I see so much light and it's pretty cool to see what human beings become under stressful circumstances. All right, Chanel Nielsen, 
Welcome to the ICU podcast. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So I know you as I was interviewed on your podcast, which is like your job podcast, Read With Me Presents. Read With You Presents, exactly. Read With You Presents, which was so fun. So your personal podcast, which is more your brand. Moms Who Know. Uh-huh. Moms Who Know. And that I know has gotten quite a bit of attention. I'm excited to have your perspective here specifically on body image and disordered eating. So we start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I live in Southern California with my husband and five kids. Um, I had the first four in six years, and then we have a seven-year gap, and we had surprise baby number five. So I am 41, and I have a three-year-old, so I'm starting all over. I always say I'm an old young mom because I'm old. I've got the gray hairs and the older kids, but I'm also, you know, doing the preschool thing again. So it's been a lot of fun. I, um, I'm an author of a book called Parenting with Purpose that I am working on the revision for right now. It was published in China in Chinese, which is a lot of fun. And now I'm working on the uh, revision to have it come out in the States. And I'm also the author of several children's books. And like you said, I podcast both at Moms Who Know podcast and then Read With You Presents. That's amazing. That's exciting. I'm I'm being published in September. My book will come out. That's exciting. So I'm working on revisions and all that good stuff too. It's exciting stuff. It is a process, isn't it? Yes, it is. And every day (laughs) is different. Yeah. Every day I have different feelings writing. Some days I'm super pumped and energized and other days I'm like, this whole book is terrible. I should burn the whole thing. (laughs) Yes, I know. It is so emotional. I think if you haven't written a book, it's hard to kind of see that, you know, you just see the finished product. And when you're writing the book, that's the messy middle and you don't know how it's going to turn out and you don't exactly know where it should go sometimes. And, and it's hard, but it's such, it's exciting. It's like raising a kid. It's your little book baby, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, let's just start talking about, talk to me about your struggles with your body image and your disordered eating. Yeah, so this is something I struggled with for a really long time. Um, It started really young for me, probably around age 11 or so is when I started to notice that I wasn't necessarily built like other girls. Now, I wasn't, I've never been obese, but what it was is I was just thick in, in a little Uh, you know, I could see the other girls were thin and I just did not have that build and I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. I looked it to me, it seemed like, okay, the girls who are popular and the girls who had friends and, you know, had all these things that I wanted, they're thin. And so that's the answer. If I'm really thin, I'll have everything I want. And so that really started, um, probably around 11, like I said, was when it started the consciousness, when I was thinking that way. But I didn't really know what to do about it. And it took a couple years um, before I really kind of acted on it. And when I was in middle school and early high school, I had a good friend who was a ballerina. And she was tall and thin and beautiful, but she was in that industry where she still felt like not thin enough. And so she wanted to diet. And so we would really egg each other on. And we would challenge each other to really dumb things looking back. Challenges like, okay, let's see who can eat the least for the next two weeks. Or the only foods that are allowed are things like celery and saltine crackers. That's it. And if you go off of those, then you lose. And it would just be this competition for us. Uh, When we got a little bit older, our freshman year in high school, 
we got uh, memberships to 24-hour fitness and we would go and just work out for hours in addition to some of this, you know, drastic dieting and eating behavior. In early high school, it was still um, pretty innocent. It was kind of off and on. It was trying and then not knowing. I would have my mom buy a lot of like lean cuisine, pizza, you know, type things because I didn't really know what to do. I just knew I wanted to be thinner. And so because of that, when I look back at my high school um, pictures, I fluctuated a lot. I would go kind of up and down um, depending on if I was dieting or eating. And it was always this kind of back and forth. And when I got a little older, I worked, I grew up in Southern California also, and um, I worked at a restaurant and there was a woman there who was an extra in movies and we were talking once about wanting to lose weight and I don't remember if I said something that led her to tell me that she was my manager at work and she told me, well, all you have to do to make yourself throw up is this. And she kind of taught me how to do it. And I thought, well, that sounds a lot better than not eating. Like, I think I'd rather do that. And so I learned how to eat a lot and make myself throw up. Um, it really, that kind of was, like I said, off and on through high school, but it really got probably it's worst when I was in college. I was away from home. Um, no one was watching me. I really wanted to look good and be part of, you know, dating and all that stuff. And so I would um, go pretty much go as long as I could without eating, eat a bunch, make myself throw up. Um, I I do call it disordered eating instead of an eating disorder because I've never been clinically diagnosed with an eating disorder. I also, um, while I have probably, you know, in these few minutes I've been talking, explained my most extreme behaviors, it wasn't always like that. It was more um, a lot of times just this hyper awareness of what I ate. It was never feeling really good um, in my body or about my choices and always just feeling like I have to do something. I can't just eat. I can't just be normal. Like I have to try. It's always this uphill battle. And I think a lot of women feel the same way, even if they've never had an eating disorder, this idea of I have to eat really good to define if I'm good or not. And even when I was kind of off the dieting wagon and maybe eating a little more normally, the mindset was still there of not good enough. Uh, you're going to get fat, just this constant worry around food. Oh, I absolutely think I have that. 100%. I've done a couple episodes on that. And it's something I still battle all the time, all the time. You know, and yeah, when I was 14, I was starving myself and maybe I'm not doing that now, but it's like in my blood. It's yeah. Hard. I'm not embarrassed about it because I'm like, you all struggle with the same thing too. If you're a woman in this society, probably. So there's not really any point in pretending like it's not there when it is. Well, yeah. And even if you get over the behaviors and the worst of the behaviors, it, it can still be in your mind just lurking there and you can be having a good day and then you, you're at Target and you walk by the mirror and you see, you know, your belly or some part of your body that you don't like and it's just like a switch like, oh, shoot, this spiral of despair and what am I going to do and, you know, all those things. 
you obviously are a very confident woman now that's done a lot of work in your healing. Uh, you can tell that just by listening to you. As this podcast is all about compassion and connection and, and how it saves lives, how has compassion and connection played a role in your healing? I love that question. So I would say that the very first step to healing came for me when I met my husband. We met in college when he was 18 and I was 19. And I was really in the thick of it with all of this when we met and he didn't know it, but he, you know, like the name of this podcast, he saw me and he liked what he saw. And just that alone, having him like me for who I was, was a huge step in my healing. And, you know, when I would say things that I wanted to change or things I wanted to do, he was like, you don't, you don't need to do that. Like he would call me out on it, but in the most loving way. Um, And so that was really helpful for me, but the real experience. So that helped me get over the worst of my behaviors. I just have one other thing about connection while we're on this that I want to say, and that's this. A lot of times as women, we try to connect with other women by sharing our, oh my gosh, I feel so fat. Oh, I've gained weight. I even will have friends who do this to me now. And then the answer is supposed to be, right? What we want to hear from our friends. Oh, me too. I'm so fat too. I won't do that for my friends anymore. I used to, and I just, I can't go there and I know there's a better way. Um, But there's almost this, we seek to connect in that way. Like, let me share my, how fat I am. And then you share how fat you are. And then we'll both feel better. And, And it doesn't help. It doesn't help. We're kind of wallowing in it. So that's kind of a misconnection where we try to connect through that and it doesn't help. So um, what really kind of changed things for me, is it okay if I go there? Do you want me to? Yeah. Okay. It's coronavirus season. We can do whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's go there then. So um, I, I married my husband. We had a few kids and all along, like I said, my behavior was getting better, but I was still, it was still minor. It was nothing that anyone would worry too much about, just regular regular kind of dieting or off a diet, but it was still that same cycle and still that same mindset. And I wanted to change. I wanted it so bad. I would pray about it. I knew that like, I just wanted to be free of this. I wanted to just enjoy life and not be worrying about my body all the time. And so I would you know, do different things. One of the things that I would try to do is look in the mirror and tell myself, you are skinny, you are beautiful. But I didn't believe it. I did not believe that at all. I would hear it and be like, "Eh, no, that's not like I just I I wasn't there. But one time I was at um, a camp, a church camp with my daughter. And one of the leaders who is a really good friend of mine, and she has a little bit bigger of build. She's a bigger woman. And she was talking to the girls and she stopped what she was saying. And she said, girls, God put you in your body for a reason. And it hit me so strong. And I thought, if she can believe that in her beautiful, bigger body, why can I not believe that? And if I do believe that, that God put me in my body for a reason, then why am I fighting it so much? And that 
really switched for me the whole idea of instead of telling myself, trying to fight my thoughts by saying, you're pretty, you're skinny, you're all these things, to switching in my mind to saying, I am thankful. God gave me this body and I am thankful for it. And I found that even on my biggest days when, you know, I'm bloated and, you know, whatever, those feelings that we don't necessarily feel comfortable in my body, if I come back to that, I am thankful for my body. God gave me this body and I'm thankful for it. That changes everything for me. And that has been a lifeline for me. I often pray in my prayers in the morning when I'm saying things I'm thankful for. I am thankful for this body. And that anchors me to that gratitude because you can't be thankful for something and hate it at the same time. It just doesn't work. You just can't. And so that's been what the real shift has been for me. I like that. Well, and it reminds me so much of the way that I work out. I especially now that we're at home, I usually will go exercise at a gym, but exercising at home now, I'll often use exercise videos and I refuse to work out to videos where my body or the woman's body is super sexualized, or there's a lot of comments on burn that butter, you know, um, those problem areas that you need to get rid of that kind of thing. I just don't even allow in my own home because that chatter is so loud already in my head. I just don't need more of it. And I've learned to tell myself as I exercise and maybe you'll, you'll have some good tips for us here, but something that's worked for me is I, the same thing. I'm so thankful for my body. And for me, because my exercise is so much about my mental health that I do this because I love myself and I feel better and I feel happy and I want to run and chase my kids um, but the second that my brain starts going to being smaller, I start having problems. And so that's a constant switch for me. And I feel like I've come a long way, but I just, I know there's still so much more improvement to be had, especially in the conversations I have with women all over who are very successful women, beautiful in a completely, I don't know, stereotypical way, surface level way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they are. They'll, you know, like the most beautiful stereotypical woman will still say she's fat. It's just not based on reality. No, it's really not. And you know what? If I could go back and tell myself something, that's exactly what I would say to my former self. I thought in my mind, if I get skinny, then I will feel good. If I get really thin and I look like a supermodel and I have these legs that I was just never designed to have, then I will feel good. When it, the opposite is true because I, I did get thin. I was never, you would have never looked at me and thought, oh, that girl's anorexic. I never got super thin, but I got very thin for me and it still wasn't enough because the truth is, and this is, this is something we all need to realize. It starts, you can choose right now today to feel good in your body. It starts in your mind. It has nothing to do with how you look. It has nothing to do with the size. It has everything to do with how you feel. If you want to feel good, you get to choose that. You choose into that every single day. And that's powerful because we get so many messages, like you were saying, from our exercise videos, from everywhere, before and after pictures. We get these messages that say, if you lose weight, then you will feel good. When in fact, not only is the opposite true, if you feel good, then there's a better chance that you will look healthier. But if you feel good, then you'll feel good. That's the truth. That's the whole story. If you feel good, then you'll feel good no matter what you look like. Absolutely. 
With all of that being said, what would you say to someone that has been overweight and does start eating healthy and does start exercising in a healthy way and loses weight and does feel better? How do they manage that comparison in their mind? Yeah, well, that is exactly what I hope for people is that we are going to treat our bodies well and eat right and do those things. And, you know, sometimes weight loss will be the result of that. And that's a good thing. But if you started from a place of despising your body and like, oh, I have to lose weight because I just don't feel good. I, you know, I, I don't like myself, then it, immediately when you're starting that, you can start feeding your mind and, you know, with these positive, I don't like to say positive affirmations necessarily because it sounds cheesy, but just these thoughts that you're thinking throughout the day of like, I am beautiful. I am thankful. I like that is the one I always come back to. I am thankful for this body today. I'm thankful that it's carrying around, carrying me around. You mentioned earlier with exercise. I I am a yoga instructor. I love to do yoga. And um, one of the things that really helps me is when I'm holding a pose and it starts to get hard, I start to just think in my mind, I am strong. Like, look at me holding this pose. I am so strong. I am a warrior. You know, you're doing these warrior poses, just thinking through all these things. And that can be in anything that you're doing. If you're, if you're running or whatever you're doing, look at me. I am powerful. Recognizing all the things about your body that you love that have nothing to do with how it looks. I had a guest on my podcast. I think it was Paige Feldstead who said, you know, my body is really the least interesting thing about me. And I thought, that is so true. That is so true. Why are we focusing so much on the least interesting thing about ourselves when we are so much more than that? We have so much more to offer. Ooh, I love that. Truth right there. Yeah. I'm not even going to say, I'm not even going to say if someone is listening. I'm just going to say to people that are listening um, and that struggle with their body image, struggle with disordered eating, with their relationship with food. What would be some final thoughts for them? What are some of the most powerful things you've learned? So the most powerful thing that I think that I hope people take away from this today is you don't have to wait for anything. Right now, listening to this podcast, you can decide to love your body as it is. Right now, and if love, if you're not there yet, start by being thankful. Be thankful right now today. That will make a difference. And then from there, you are thankful enough to nourish your body. You're thankful enough to move your body. You love your body enough, just enough to do those positive actions. But it needs to come from that place. You can never, you know, hate yourself enough to feel good about your body. It's never going to work that way. You have to start from acceptance and love. And people get scared of that. Have you noticed that? I mean, we get scared. We think, oh, if I accept my body, then I'll never change. If I love my body now, then I'm going to be stuck as, you know, a hundred pounds overweight or whatever, wherever we're at. When it, actually the opposite is true. If you love your body, then you're willing to do things to treat your body right. And that's all that we need to do for our bodies. We don't need to look a certain way. We need to treat them well so that they're around for the long haul. Thank you so much. Especially, I will say, especially during this coronavirus season, I've already heard 
from people uh, talking about their bodies as their bodies adjust to being at home more and maybe a little less active. Uh, maybe their eating habits have changed a little bit. I think this is an especially unique opportunity that we have to be grateful for our bodies and grateful for being healthy right now in this uncertain time and doing what we can to take care of our bodies here in our home, you know, and making yeah. a loving place to make our bodies. Definitely. And I'd say with that, especially with this time, what better time to be gentle on yourself? We already have enough going on in our minds that we are thinking about and stressing about. We don't need one more thing. So we need to be a little more gentle and a little more loving and a little more compassionate towards ourselves and our body, just like we are towards our kids, towards other people. We recognize that we're all going through a hard time and we need that same self-compassion, right? Absolutely. Chanel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And if people want to listen and hear more from Chanel, as I'm sure you do, check out her podcast, Moms Who Know. It's just been a pleasure to have you. And I hope that you and your family stay healthy during this this crazy uncertain time and this also beautiful time to be still and, and to reflect. Yes, you too. Thank you again to the sponsor of this episode, Tony Overbay. Tony has this awesome new course and class. Go watch the intro video and I think you'll want to do it as much as I do. So if you go to TonyOverbay.com and click on courses, you're going to find his completely free course on parenting while having your kids home 24-7. He's filled it up with all the things that he's telling his clients in his personal sessions with them about how to handle this and have it be a positive experience. And it's completely free. So please go over to Tony Overbay bay.com and click on courses to get that free class. Take heart, my people. Hang in there. Play more board games. Ooh, what are some of my favorite board games I can offer you? Okay, Lost Cities, Agricola. Huh? Any board game nerds out there? King of Tokyo, code names. Mmm, so many. We love board games so much in this house. So I hope that you are finding lots of fun things to do with your family during this time. My name is Julie Lee, and I see you 